HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from the studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is a mystery for many people, so I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. My guests today are Haru Zenda of Masa, the famed sushi restaurant with three Michelin stars, and Andy May, who works at the Polynesian, the cool tiki bar by the major food group of Kaboni, ZZ Clum, ZZ's Clum Bar, sorry, ZZ's Clum Bar, Dirty French, and many other popular spots. Haru and Andy are the two winners of the Shochu Cocktail Competition, Spirited Away, which was held in May. The winner's prize was a trip to Kyushu, the southern part of Japan, and the home of shochu production. So in this episode, we discuss why they discovered in Kyushu, why shochu is a great ingredient for mixologists like Haranandi, how to make a great uh, glass of shochu cocktails, and much, much more. But before we start, Japanese is available on the Heritage Radio Network w- website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and subscribe to Japanese. Also, if you have any ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or akikotema.com. Now, let's start our conversation with Haru Zenda and Andy May. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Welcome. Happy to be here. Very exciting. So... Um, So, full disclosure, I was a judge on the competition. (laughs) I was very, very impressed how well you expressed the searches. So, congratulations. Thank you so much. And so, tell us your background first. Uh, So, where are you from and where you grew up? And uh, how did you go go into the world of cocktails? Of course. So, I'm Haru, and I'm actually born in New York. And I've been here for the last 14 years now. Uh, I've basically loved cooking, loved flavors. uh, So making cocktails was just a natural step mm. along that way. Right. So a natural step and started working for Mission <laughs> 3 Star Wars, which is an well. amazing step. <laughs> um, so in, in your case, so the Japanese culture is mm. kind of uh, which, wh- how much of exposure you had to Japanese culture? Well, so my mother's Japanese and my father's Romanian. So growing up, I did speak a lot of Japanese and I did spend some time in Kyoto, mm. where my grandmother's originally from. Wow. I actually worked in Kyoto in an udon shop of all places. And while I was there, while I was still in school, in fact, I actually learned about sake mm. because um, I was studying both Japanese and chemistry and it was just a natural crossroad for me to get to. Right. Wow. Okay. So what about you, Andy? Hi, um, I'm Andy May. I was born in New York as well, but grew up in Los Angeles. And uh, kind of how I got into the whole cocktail thing was uh, I was studying music at a music conservatory for three years. And afterwards, I was able to transfer to UC Irvine. And a lot of the students would uh, 
work at Disneyland, and so I was dancing the Disneyland parade, <laughs> learned the choreography, learned the dance, and then realized that uh, dancing in July heat is probably one of the worst things to do, especially in a reindeer costume. So then I chose, okay, um, let's go find something else. And so I found a, a bar in Pasadena, California, and that's when I just asked the guys, I have no experience. I was working at a cafe. Where do I start and how do I go from there? And um, three years into it, I went from busboy to the head bartender. And then from there, moving on to opening up a Japanese restaurant in downtown LA. Um, And then fortuitously finding myself in New York City working at uh, with Brian Miller at uh, Mm. the Polynesian. Right. Wow. Wow. Amazing. So, um, yeah, so you are at, you know, respect respectively the Masa and uh, the Polynesian. These mm. are really great place, places in New York. So, uh, so each of you, uh, what style of cocktails do you make there? So, especially for Masa, because it's, it is a restaurant, I really focus on more food-oriented cocktails. And while not like necessary, we do like to put a Japanese spin or use Japanese ingredients. So Japanese whiskey, Japanese sake, even Japanese shochu and gin. So mm. that's sort of the focus that we go for. And then also beverages that go well with food. Mm. So but no, was, but, sorry, but mm, don't necessarily overpower the food. Okay, the so you can, um, if you want, you mm-hmm. can drink cocktail with food. Yes. Wow, which I think is very hard to achieve, actually, for bartenders. Well, it's a lot of it is about balancing. Mm. Um, you, you, there's certain flavors that you don't necessarily want too much of, uh, specifically things like sweetness or bitterness, mm. even spiciness to a certain extent. So it's a lot about balancing the flavors mm. to adjust it and also fitting it with the season as well. Okay. Yeah. So um, so in other words, you, you don't have any distinctive one flavor. Everything's kind of harmonized to go with. I would say definitely yes, balancing mm. it out. Um, I would say things like nice acidity mm-hmm. works really well so a lot of times you end up with a, some citrusy sort of flavors or have you know lemon zest expressed mm. uh, do you have a favorite cocktail on the menu right now on the menu right now actually one of the cocktails i really like is kind of like a take on a jungle bird oh so it's kind of like a, it's a it's <laughs> like a cocktail. yeah it's a rum style negroni if you will mm. uh so you might be thinking like oh it's but it's bitter and so the way we get around it is we actually add a little bit of yuzu and um, as well as some uh, creme de violette as well. So it gives it a nice florality mm. as well as a nice bit of acidity in, in addition to the bitterness. Mm. And it goes becomes like a nice almost aperitif uh, style cocktail mm. at the same time. Cool. Interesting. So, well, great question, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like uh, if I go to a restaurant, if I mm-hmm. really wanted to pair with cocktails, maybe mm. acidity. Yeah. is the key. Yes. That's that's why margaritas are almost king <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to any sort of restaurant. Right. <laughs> okay, so what about you, Angie? Um, can I can I hear the question again? Oh, so uh, what's the style of cocktails that you make at uh, the Polynesian? At the Polynesian, um, the name kind of gives it away, island-style cocktails, tiki cocktails, um, a lot of fruit juices, um, different types of sugars are, are added to it, but they're, it's mostly a rum-focused uh, menu we had over where we have over 150 bottles of rum back there. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, we, um, we're more bar focused and so the food kind of helps uh, sedate the alcohol and just to keep you on your seats without falling over. Um, <laughs> so a little bit different than, than masa. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I was able to play with more Japanese ingredients at this other bar that I work at, the Hidden Pearl, uh, which is in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And there we're able to play with uh, umeshu, yuzushu, different uh, Japanese whiskeys, even Japanese rum. Mm -hmm. Um, That's very fun. And so that uh, really helped me create this cocktail um, for for the Spirited Away competition. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. Right. So I'm curious. So so in your case, kind of uh, the exposure to Japanese ingredients kind of new. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, very much so. Right. I think I first learned about, or first even started tasting Japanese whiskey back in Los Angeles and tasting sake for the first time. And before my exposure to sake, it was like, okay, it's either hot or it's cold, but I never really drank it. I was just a mm. Sapporo drinker. 
Um, but when I was exposed to sake and learning about like uh, Jumai's, Daiginjo's and all this, like what sake can bring to, to the palate um, and then even to cocktails though, I, I don't really like playing with sake with cocktails. Shochu was the easiest way into it um, mm. because it's distilled, it's able to withstand some other uh, fruit juices and whatnot and goes great with soda. So from there, it's just, uh, it's all fun and games and you just get to really mess around with stuff. Mm, right. So um, as a you know talented bartender, Japanese ingredients don't make you feel like it's foreign. You can, it's just like a natural ingredient they can mm-hmm. utilize naturally. Yeah, it almost feels like um, a, it's a different take on your regular um, flavors that you have. So uh, I kind of think of like umeshu as a style of like grapefruit. Mm. Um, yuzushu as a like, basic liqueur, if mm-hmm. you will, yeah, like a exactly. triple sec. Mm. It's kind of an extension of like the library or portfolio that bartenders have behind the bar. Ah, interesting. Right? If you just speak to a umeshu producer, they don't probably think of right. you know, they that idea. They think of idea. them as mm-hmm. umeshu rather than as like a product behind the bar. Right. So I think whereas a bartender, like our mentality is like looking at it and saying, how can we use this product in mm. a very interesting way? Or like mm-hmm. what flavors will go with this? Right. Fascinating. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we will talk about the trip, uh, you know, about the trip to Kyushu in a moment. But for listeners who are not familiar with uh, shochu, uh, what is shochu and uh, what are the difference between sake and other, you know, cocktail ingredients? This is like one of the most trickiest questions that <laughs> it's so we can get. Hard. It's so hard it's, to answer. It's everything and nothing at the same time. It's, it's hard to define it because it's so um, enigmatic. We'll, we'll start off with the bat. There's over 50 approved ingredients that you can make shochu out of, with the major ones being rice, barley, uh, sweet potato. Mm-hmm. I would say the top three, right? Yeah, top three yeah. for sure. Soba. I mean, soba was uh, well, your, your shochu. I wouldn't price. say soba is, there's, it's a major part of the market, but mm-hmm. like even like you could have short grain rice or long grain rice. The You could have sugarcane shochu. So... It, it, this, it covers a whole breadth of things, but the one thing that they all share is the koji aspect, the mold. Mm. And at, because of that, it's very similar to at least the fermentation process to sake. Mm. Mm. Right. So just overly simplify it. So okay. sake is distilled, then that's shochu, kind of, basically. Although... that that Well, that's rice shochu then. Right. Um, so then the ingredients... But then oh, it's like, could be anything. Yeah, so, but if it's made with barley, then it's kind of like whiskey. Mm-hmm. If it's made with, you know, if it's sweet, rice, it's kind of like, uh, if, well, it's, if it's, I were to see the bottles all on a back bar and I, I were to correlate them with specific American spirits, exactly. uh, I would think, you know, your kome, your rice is, um, acquiescent to, uh, vodkas. Like right. a very clean yeah. style vodka. Um, <laughs> so, What's, right. Well, what's also interesting about shochu is that it's also usually the the quality uh, shochus are only single distilled. Mm-hmm. And as Honkaku. Was, yeah, Honkaku shochu, that's the single distilled shochu. And what's interesting is that unlike vodkas, it actually retains the flavors mm. of whatever base ingredient mm-hmm. was. Right. Mm. So it's like a mezcal and tequila kind of, in a way. That's where... It, I can see again, the trend of that too, right. but uh, I think... Uh, what is like wearisome for uh, the American bartender would be to just think that like I can turn an old fashioned and add mezcal and a mezcal exactly. old fashioned will be like the next right. big thing. Or it's like <laughs> it's like oh I can you know make a mezcal negroni or a bourbon negroni and then it's like it's very yeah. interchangeable. Whereas shochu, it's like not emo, as shochu, campari, and sweet vermouth mm. could work. Could work, but it also depends on which emo yeah, shochu. Yeah, you have to know. And then kome shochu is much lighter. So it's it's this broad category that mm. almost has subcategories. Right. And then I guess the final important thing about shochu is that it's typically at about 20 to 25% alcohol. Mm. And it's actually meant to be diluted when you drink it, mm. uh, especially mizuwari, cutting it with water, or oyuwari, cutting it with uh, hot water. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. so the compared to like 40, uh, 40 degrees or other, exactly. you know, heavier mm-hmm. distilled alcohol, it's much lower alcohol. Much lower. And the fact that the, the cultural trend in Japan is to actually dilute it like before further, you enjoy further it. Exactly. Mm. So you're actually alcohol probably concept. drinking it at about 10 to 15% 
alcohol, which is closer to a beer or wine, which is how they drink it in Kyushu. Mm, right. And actually, if you dilute it, yeah. sometimes the flavor comes out more vividly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, especially because it is single distilled, a lot more of the, the natural oils and flavors mm-hmm. remain. Yeah, they'll really yeah. show, right. showcase. Right. It's, it's like almost adding that drop of water in a whiskey mm-hmm. or a scotch. So mm. Very similar. Right. So going back to, you know, Haru's style of mm-hmm. balancing, it's probably easier because alcohol is lower. So it's kind of milder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would say so. I, what was, what's a very interesting conversation, conversation we had with, like, some of the producers was they were very interested in, like, saying, like, oh, should our product be 40%? And I, I was of the mind of, like, well, if it has the right flavor, you don't need the alcohol. Mm. Yeah, you don't need all that alcohol heat to to make it be an American kind of uh, or to succeed in the American market. I think mm. nowadays you're seeing a lot of like sherry cocktails being on mm-hmm. on a menu and um, highballs even too. So mm. I, I think we're trending now to be less proof or a lower no proof. Way, yeah, low ABV is like a big thing. There's even no ABV like mm. bars that are opening up in in right. Brooklyn, which right. is so Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's in a green point, isn't it? Yeah, it's a green point. <laughs> That's very, very green now. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. So um, as a bartender, you know, if you were given shochu, it's kind of nice thing to find because mm-hmm. it's it's well, new and it's. I, I, well, what's interesting is it has so much character to it mm-hmm. that you can actually show off the flavors. So, like, for instance, the two shochus that Andy and I used for the competition are completely different. Mm. Like my shochu was a hundred percent buckwheat, so it was like super rich, like almost like toasted cereal, and didn't taste like any of the other shochus. Yeah, well, mine was like uh, a kuro, so black mold um, with sweet potato, and that one was very similar to um, like. A, a rum, like a Jamaican rum, and that's kind of why I chose it mm. uh, for my cocktail, yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, the competition um, that you won in the first and second prize, uh, the Spirited Away Cocktail Competition uh, was uh, conceived by the three companies, and these are New York tr- uh, Mutual Trading Company and Skarnik Wine and Spirits and the Mises Shochu and, you know, Jesse. Well, mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. guess here. Um, so, so what was the theme of the competition? So th- this was the first shochu-based competition, and I think they primarily wanted to highlight like the versatility of shochus and how many different styles there are. Uh, all, all the shochus that were available were actually from Kyushu itself, mm. especially like because... Kyushu is mm-hmm. like where the heart of shochu is. Yeah, unlike most competitions where you're you're doing um, a whiskey competition, you're only allotted to use that one whiskey. Right. This was the first shochu competition where we were able to touch on kome, on mugi, on emo shochu, um, and all different um, styles of it. And so that's what was like so fun because it was like getting all the leaders <laughs> of the shochu world to come <laughs> together. And like, all right, let's see who can make the best cocktail. Yeah, it's like 25 or something. Like it's that. over Whoa. 25 like products <laughs> and like seven produ- seven producers mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. together. And then we were still very limited because we could only use, I believe, seven ingredients. Seven so ingredients. Not, oh, we right. couldn't go too crazy in the mixology right. world and like fat wash this right. and, and do all that because they wanted to still preserve the shochu um, and let that be the, the shining aspect of each cocktail. Mm, which you did. So it's, it's very hard, right, to... I mean, there's some seven ingredients. How can mm-hmm. you make shochu taste relevant? And you, you did it. Yeah, so. relevant and mm-hmm. still tasty um, and, and different. Still tastes like a shochu and, cocktail mm-hmm. before a cocktail. Right. right. So, I mean, you know, Andy already described what you made. It's like mm-hmm. uh, uh, the mononoke kolada featuring <laughs> potato shochu and inspired by a drink from a vending machine on your past trip to Japan. Yeah, yeah, right? I, was, I was in Japan. Uh, <laughs> this was before this trip, the, the year before. And what I loved about Japan, besides like the architecture, the culture, the food, was that for every 12 Japanese citizen, I believe there's one vending machine. <laughs> and <laughs> so if there's like 22 million people in Tokyo itself, that means there's like just under 2 million vending machines mm. and not counting all the stuff inside the vending <laughs> machines. And so you could literally go around and see a new vending machine throw in a couple of coins and like get something new is something you never had before. And so that was basically my breakfast every morning. I would just walk around like, okay, what's, <laughs> what's this machine? thing? And I saw, um, this tiny, like 
cow with a banana on it. I was like, what in the world is this going to be? <laughs> and it popped out, and it was like a banana cream soda. I was like, okay, this was fantastic. Mm. It, was, it was so, like, it's unlike anything I've ever tasted before. Mm. And so that was what inspired me to make the Mononoke Colada. Um, the other ingredients were um, some coconut cream, uh, a touch of soda water, tiki bitters, mm. um, a banana blend of 99 bananas and banana de Brazil, and then the uh, Kuroshio Nami shochu. Mm. Wow. And pineapple, pineapple and lemon juice as well. I wish I could try that again. The <laughs> uh, Haru's, uh, there was a, the theme was buckwheat. Yes. So. so I use the toari, which is the 100% buckwheat shochu, and I essentially wanted to make a cocktail that highlighted the buckwheatness, but I didn't want to actually use any citrus because a lot of times when you start off making a cocktail, especially with shochu, you kind of make like a chuhai or a, or a shochu sour. And so I said no citrus. Mm. But you need to bring like that balance. You can't just have one flavor. Mm. So I blended, I mixed it together with um, some uh, dolan sweet vermouth as well as some buckwheat honey because buckwheat and buckwheat I thought was just a natural mm. like pairing. And then I also used an aged sake called hanahato. Mm. So it has this like rich soy sort of flavor. And the flavor I kind of wanted to bring out was like you're eating soba noodles mm. and super nice and comforting. And then as the garnish, I use the dehydrated scallion and some nori seaweed. So mm. just rounding out all those lovely umami flavors. Right. That was very interesting. Yeah. yeah and it kind of like the soba flavors were more than actual soba in a way. It's yeah. kind of concentrated. So. Yeah, again, you should serve it at uh, Masa. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Not the moment, no. Maybe in a sober restaurant. <laughs> if, okay. we, if we were a noodle shop back right. in Kyoto. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, so uh, we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, Harun and Nandi's uh, discoveries during the, their trip to Kyushu. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese ship knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Coin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Coin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table, so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit coin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese Broadcasting Live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, and my guests today are Haruzenda of Masa and Andy May of the Polynesian. So they are the winners of the shochu competition, uh, the Spirited Away, and that was held in May. So um, now we have to toast because <laughs> Andy and I have brought a glass of interesting shochu. So congratulations and welcome back. Come back. Come, come back. So what is this? So this is a very interesting emo shochu. So it's a sweet potato shochu coming from Miyagi Prefecture. Miyagi, right? yes. Yeah. It's called Flamingo Kagoshima. Orange. Uh, mm. Kagoshima Prefecture, I believe. This one's from Kagoshima? I believe so. Okay. No, that is. Huh. Mm. So the labels, amazing. That's really the bright flamingo <laughs> color, and then like actually, this color reminds me of some peachy or flavor, l- like lychee. Yeah, like lychee, super actually. tropical. Right, like white fruit it, for sure. It it tastes like the the label, mm. like mm. super colorful. Right. Um, so what's interesting about this one is we were actually told that uh, there's so many new techniques happening right now, especially in like shochu making. And lots of producers are experimenting. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting about this one is they actually wet age mm. their sweet potato. 
Oh. So I'm sure you're familiar with like dry aging meats mm -hmm. just to enhance the flavor. Right. So what they said was they put the sweet potato in like a cold, damp room to like mm. simulate that it's still, it's still underground. Still on the ground, right? Yeah. Huh. yeah. And then what, what this does is it, it enriches like the sweetness as well as like that fruity component of sweet potato mm. and just elevates it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's so yeah. when, you, when you play with the different uh, ko uh, koji in, mm -hmm. uh, in the process of making shochu, you can find that that really brings out different flavors as well. Mm -hmm. um, when we were in Kroki Honten, I believe they were using more uh, yellow koji. They were using the sake style. Yeah. 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 So mm -hmm. you, they were using like yellow crazy. koji instead of the classic kuro koji. Right. Interesting. Because I thought uh, lately I was had a conversation about mm -hmm. sake koji. Oh, the East, actually. Mm. And there was a flower oh, okay. coach that was used. Oh. And uh, I thought it was, there may be uh, some flower mm -hmm. East in it. Maybe. Yeah, but it's amazing. It's, there's so much experimentation happening in Shochu, and I think that's what's also very interesting. So this one's coming from, like, a smaller producer. So mm. what they're doing is they're experimenting on a much more s smaller scale. Mm. Whereas if with the bigger producers that we went to, like Sanwa Shurui or mm. even Shiro. Oh, let's get into that. So, oh. so the trip, uh, so you spent a week in, whole week in Kyushu, yeah. uh, which is also, of course, the home of shochu production, from September 29th to October 3rd, and you visited seven distilleries during your trip. In five days. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of tasting, I'm sure. Um, so the, the theme of, what is your mission to go there? taste and drink as much as we can and <laughs> well, we succeeded and accomplished that i think what i took away from it is that we got a better understanding of what the product is and who are the people that are making it and mm. who who is it meant to meant for right so yeah, yeah what i really uh took away from that trip was like how how people were um drinking the shochu yeah. and then where it was really coming from because uh i, I love the saying like where where it grows is where Glows, something like that. Uh, mm. If it grows, to, if it grows together, it goes, it goes together. together. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm. So we were able to have like Miyagi beef with Miyagi shochu. Mm. So terroir. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm. And so it's like what whatever we were having, like we had some uh, uh, tori sashimi, some chicken sashimi, mm. especially from Kagoshima, where it's people like super freak out fresh. in this country, oh. like if you are. But I mean, <laughs> if if the, if the chicken's that fresh, right. it, it's like it's like the white meat is like eating fish, whereas mm -hmm. the red meat was like eating uh, beef. Mm -hmm. right. It was like crazy how how rich it was, and then it went really well with like the meaty dishes, especially the shochu. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, chicken sashimi is actually really good oh. <laughs> when it's good. Um, so, Randy, you mentioned uh, you know how to drink um, was something new. Like, you know, in this country, shochu. Probably people even don't know what shochu is. Mm. Usually, you they'll know, call it soju, and they're like, "Oh, oh yeah. we get it at the Korean barbecue place and the tiny green glasses." Mm. And you're like, "Ah, uh, not green. really." I but like the problem with that was, uh, I think in the early '70s, um, to promote shochu, they called it. Uh, the Japanese called it well, soju. So I, I believe the issue was that uh, I think California was giving tax breaks or mm. they were incentivizing it like because the twenty four percent versus twenty five percent mild call the tax exactly. changes. So Korean people negotiated exactly to be called belonging soju. to yeah exactly. So now, as a result, like for, it was very short term like thinking on some producers where they would label the bottle as shochu as well as soju. That's and, yeah, and and so now like that ramification after forty years is still happening because mm. people when they hear shochu they think soju, and then they're like, oh, it's that you know Korean barbecue stuff. It's like, mm -hmm. but this is made with sweet potato, so it's very educated. Yeah, in Japan there are two classes like ko and otsu, so yeah. I don't think there's uh, the same similar classification in soju the world of soju no. in Korea. So it is a very distinctive right. difference in you know definition of quality and grading mm -hmm. too so i think this should be shochu and soju mm. yeah um so uh what kind of new way to drink shochu um and did, did you discover in kyushu um in kyushu i really learned about the, like simplicity is really the key just let the shochu do its thing like with rum the best way i think to taste rum is to throw it into a daiquiri you'll really be able to expose it with fresh lime mm -hmm. juice and um just sugar mm. um so with shochu different um shochus are <clears throat> will be able to showcase their um quality through 
through different ways of drinking it. So personally, I really enjoy anything with uh, soda water mm. or on the rocks. Um, but now that it's getting colder here in New York City, um, it's so it's so tasty to have an emo shochu with just a little bit of hot water, mm. uh, oyuari. Um, and one of the things we learned uh, from Yanagita-san was to specifically pour the hot water first, uh, 50-50 shochu and hot water, and then the shochu uh, afterwards so that uh, the hot water will rise while mm. the cold shochu sinks down. So you can let that, let gravity just mix it on its own. Yeah, naturally. it yeah. circulates. Mm. Good to know. So that was like, that was just one of the fun <laughs> things that like we would have never learned if we had never gotten this mm. opportunity to go on the trip. So what's the temperature of the uh, hot water? Like around, it's like not boiling, right? It's not boiling. I would do it at like 175 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think that's how I like to uh, steep my tea. and mm-hmm. uh, gives it a maybe a couple minutes of like, heat and so you can let it steep and rest for a little bit and then still be able to enjoy it in right without losing the flavor Mm -hmm. with the heat Mm -hmm. Mm. okay and uh so let's talk about uh the distilleries you visited are they like out of seven are they they are all like most of them were you know starting in like 1902 or something like 18 something so a a lot of them are like yeah, it was a big baby houses. when when they first started. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, or or like most of them are like on their third or fourth uh, generation of uh, the master distiller. Mm-hmm. So they a lot of these are very um, franchised shochus, mm. but some of them are very small. Like they'll only have three to five people working the distillery, whereas others will be like almost the entire town wow. size. So. So, wow. <laughs> so, that's the time we relies on the company. Exactly. Mm. So, maybe each of you want to pick one or two distilleries that you want to talk about? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, I I was a big fan of especially Yanagita-san mm. uh, from Miyagi Prefecture. Uh, he, he's, he says that his family was the one that kind of originated the 100% uh, barley shochu. Hmm. Um, because the way it works is usually when you inoculate the mold and when you inoculate the yeast, you have to do it in separate batches before you combine it. Mm. So before his family actually perfected the technique, they actually had to use rice koji. Mm-hmm. And then as the bar- base would be the barley. Right. Um, and then apparently it was like an interesting history where um, some of the parents from, uh, which one was it? Samashurui? Yeah, stayed over at the Yanagita house and then learned that technique under huh. under the initial uh, initial president. Mm. Uh, also, what's very interesting about Yanagita-san is he's kind of like a tinkerer, where he actually he is like a master's in mechanical engineer <laughs> engineering for some yeah. reason. And so he tinkers around with his distillation device. So mm. not only can he do like distillation atmospheric or you know uh, vacuum. But he can do like somewhere in between as well, mm-hmm. so he gets really unique flavors out of his shochu. Mm. Well. So it's not iffy; he really analyzes exactly. and technically. Yeah, he spends three months just uh, scooping the oil out with a strainer made out of horse hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, between <laughs> yeah, between December and February at like five in the morning, because mm. that's when you can see the oil floating on the surface. Right. So. That that was actually like a very and this is like a very small like producer like it's just him and two other people and then wow and it's family owned too I, I think uh, most of his staff are all uh, women yeah, too women. and so he only has a daughter and so that's the next like heir to his wow. uh, shuzo so it's gonna be great to see just um, a shuzo that is just run by by women mm. um, and seeing like what that en- entails for the future of uh, shoshu as well because. Who knows what's going to happen next. You know? mm. It's very exciting. Right. Okay. So do you have any... Um, I would say one of my favorites was probably uh, Kagoshima, uh, the Satsuma Shiranami. Um, the Satsuma uh, Shuzo. Shuzo, yeah. yeah. So Shiranami. <clears throat> so mm. you're, you're sp- sponsoring your product. Yeah, I'm sponsoring. <laughs> this is not a paid sponsorship. <laughs> um, but no, it was just fantastic because uh, they're right next to the... The factory that smokes fish 
Oh yes, uh, Katsuobushi. Katsuobushi, mm. yeah. The the bonito bonito. So apparently Kagoshima is really famous for uh, bonitos, mm. like dry bonitos. Yeah, when we were driving into right. the the Shuzo, the air just smelled like smoked fish, mm. and you see hawks flying around, and they're just the <laughs> they're largest, to get healthiest hawks right. in the world. Interesting. Wow. So the so, listeners, so the bonito is like you know before you make bonito flakes, it's like mm. solid. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, know, a, it's a brick smoked. of bonito fish. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh wow. Interesting. Yeah, so that was that was really fun. And then we also got to see like one of the few cooperages. So it's mm, a yeah, ba- yeah. it's a, it's it's a barrel making uh, place because um, what's interesting about Satsuma Shuzo is that they actually uh, age some of their mugi shochu mm. in uh, in American white oak. American white so, oak. Oh wow! And it's I think one of three or four cooperages only, and the rest are whiskey based. Whereas this is the only shochu cooperage. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was very interesting to see that. I was going to ask this question later, mm-hmm. but, you know, by aging it, it gets mm-hmm. color, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And in Japan, if it's not clear or, like, yellowish, right. it's going to be allowed to be sold as shochu. Well, so we were so. actually talking with um, Kuroki Honten mm. uh, from, the, from the Kuroki Honten, obviously. Mm. But he, he said that one of the big issues is that there's this antiquated law Mm. Where if a shochu gets too dark, it has to be labeled as a liqueur, not as a shochu. Mm. So it, it can't even be called uh, aged shochu. It, it, and there's not, it might not even have any sugars added, mm. but it will be, have to be labeled as a liqueur. Mm. So anything darker than, I would say, a glass of Chardonnay Aye. is too dark. Yeah. Wow. So they're actually trying to like reverse this law because it was initially, apparently they told us it was initially made so that they could tell apart like faulty shochu versus um, like whiskeys that were getting to be popular at the time the law was invented mm. and didn't have like the technology right. to like accurately like assess like mm-hmm. is this a shochu or is this a whiskey mm. like they didn't want any bootlegging going on between you know right. people selling shochus as whiskey or whiskeys as shochu mm. yeah Right. So I happened to go to the whiskey fest and mm-hmm. I had a conversation with one of the greatest blenders in the world. <laughs> like me and mm-hmm. uh, we had a conversation about just Japanese regulations mm-hmm. and it has to be determined because I'm going to have a guest who found I went to um, um, you know Kyushu mm-hmm. and Kuma area mm-hmm. that you visit oh, nice. too yeah, yeah. and uh, so I went to one of the distilleries and there's an old warehouse and there you are beautiful dark shochu right. delicious but they can't sell it so American gentleman went there, discovered, and now he's selling it as whiskey. And I'm gonna have him as a guest uh, next year. Oh, okay. awesome! Yeah. So it's crazy how yeah. all those, you know, treasure mm-hmm. buried right. just for the regulation. Yeah, just through the laws. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's but like the it where I see a problem is like, can you call it a whiskey? Because it does still use koji. So yeah. that, that's mm. like the issue where it runs into it because whiskey doesn't traditionally use koji right. as like part of the, the fermentation process. So mm. is it like a new category? Yeah, and the topic that, of conversation. That's, that's why like shochu is like kind of an enigma at times because right. it's like, what do you call this? Mm. But interesting that you said, and I like, I see beer companies, mm-hmm. you know, craft beer companies making beer with koji mm-hmm. and uh Whiskey with koji, right. maybe somewhere like in Kentucky, who knows? So it's maybe. kind of crossover going on. <laughs> and maybe crazy. Yeah, I'm innovative for sure. Right. Okay, so, um, yeah, so how do you um, use what you learned in, in Kyushu at your bar or whatever? Um, I, I think one is just, it's uh, working at the Hidden Pearl, it's a little bit easier because it's a smaller bar, I believe mm-hmm. we have 22 seats, um, so the personal time is uh, much more valued while at the Polynesian where we do like 1,100 people on a Friday, Saturday night, wow. and so it's it's so intense and you're barely able to talk, you're just like, I just need to make you this pina colada. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so what we've learned from that is just um, this I think the stories and like um, entertaining a guest with what our experiences are and seeing the like how, what they can take with that um, and then from from there it's it's really fun I was at uh, bar Benfittic 
and mm. it was towards the end of the night, and so we weren't able to get a seat at the bar, but I asked the, the head bartender in there to make me a, a shochu cocktail, just to see like what the difference is between a Japanese bartender and an American bartender would, would make. Mm. And so uh, he used the Ichiko Saiten mm-hmm. and just created a last word variation. I was like, all right, this is cool, this is, this is tasty. Um, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted because mm-hmm. it didn't showcase the shochu. I, I really got more of that green chartreuse and the maraschino. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a good cocktail. It was a good cocktail. Shochu, mm-hmm. But not a shochu cocktail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so now we have different levels of um, imbibers and people who, who care about what they're intaking mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the alcohol realm. And so now it's just like, how do I, how do I showcase the shochu as like the primary flavor and then tell a story mm-hmm. from it. I think what's really interesting is that because it to the American public, like shochu is a distilled spirit, they treat it as like a whiskey or a vodka. So whereas in Japan, what was very interesting was people were drinking it at home. Mm. Like, like once again, diluting it with either hot water or even just regular water and then having it with a meal, like, like it was a beer or a glass of wine. Mm. And I think because this idea that it is a distilled spirit you i think this cocktail competition was a really excellent idea because having it in a cocktail actually presents it where you can get it to the individual level rather mm-hmm. than like someone taking something that they might not be familiar with straight from the liquor store they can interact with someone who is knowledgeable about it mm-hmm. and i think what's also great about shochu is this is a shochu for everyone mm-hmm. so there's like so many styles that it's like, oh, you want something weird and funky? Have an emo shochu. Do you want something nice and clean like a vodka? Well, rice shochu is excellent for that. Uh, if you like whiskeys, mugi shochu. Mm. It can be aged, but it can also have this like super toasted, like mm. almost like burnt uh, corn kernels. And then if you like rum, there's sugarcane shochu. Right. So there's a style for everyone. Mm. That's what's great about it. Right. Interesting. So, yeah, and also I think... Uh, you know, like when I was thinking about Andy's, you know, what you're saying, probably partly that, well, it, it, it can be the center stage, but mm-hmm. can be a supporting role. Oh, it's, it's important, right, mm-hmm. in the world of cocktails. So you, you can just use it in either way. And I happened to get a gift of good plain shochu. Mm-hmm. It's Mugi. And uh, I got the nice flavorful uh, Japanese-style gin. Mm-hmm. And I one day, you know, both are really good, but I didn't feel like any of those. And I just happened to mix them. That was, like, amazing. Oh, mm-hmm. So it's like a 50-50 martini? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of. So, yeah, it's a des- definitely, shochu doesn't basket. have to be the main ingredient. No, I, mean, I, I think you do a supporting role as well. Mm-hmm. I think it has so much flavor, like, that there's so much room for experimentation like anyone who tastes shochu is like wow i've never tasted it like this and it's true there's a lot of shochus they don't taste like anything else on the market right now mm-hmm. mm, right and also um some people find it healthier and i think my me personally i think shochu is very gentle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so i feel great next day <laughs> yeah. unlike beer or wine or sake there's no residual sugar because it's been distilled and so you're able to have like two or three glasses mm-hmm. and one cup of water and you'll right. be fine well if i had like a glass of or two of merlot or cap franc i'd have the worst hangover the next day <laughs> well also there's like very little like um messing around with it like there's not a lot of additives mm-hmm. like the most they're gonna do is age it in a barrel mm-hmm. and then they kind of leave it on its own because they, they want to showcase the flavors yeah, exactly. right okay so and I'm sure for intense five days I'm sure you you did something other than this thing silly <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> a lot of izakayas <laughs> a lot of izakayas um, what was really funny uh, from that trip was uh, I, I would say if there was a specific theme I, I would use the word domino um, in a sense where every night we each kind of took it upon ourselves to have a lot of fun with shochu and w- we got shochu soaked. And <laughs> so um, my first night, or our first night actually, uh, in Oita, we found out that um, the Rugby World Cup was happening at the same mm, time. Whoa. And it was taking place in Kagoshima and throughout Kyushu. And so there was a mass influx of uh, tourism uh, happening at the time. And so when we were just, we had like a wonderful dinner um at an izakaya and then went, went and grabbed jinx and it was our first night in kyushu and we thought 
we have to go do something. And so <laughs> we have to go hang out. And uh, Maxwell, Maxwell Lear from MTC was also with us on this trip. And we decided, oh, let's find like a bar where we can just drink shochu. And we find this tiny little karaoke bar. And Maxwell and I are just like, hey, can we go inside? And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no foreigners, nor tourists. Like wow. this is yeah. specifically um, for um, a, local like, a local establishment. And then Haru saves a day and comes in and says, his magic words I don't know what you said but we were oh, able to get like, in I, I, I just asked him it's like oh we just want to sing a couple songs and yeah I was like oh <laughs> okay. we found out it was a karaoke bar <laughs> yeah. and it's like oh okay wow. so we, we for like 3,000 yen yeah. we were able to just like sit down we drank like a ball and a half and drink. Right. wow <laughs> so it was it was quite the experience that's for sure mm. um, I think understanding like where the where it's being grown in was actually like one of the highlights for me and like understanding the cuisine the people the culture that goes behind each ball of shochu was yeah, seeing the landscape was amazing yeah. too just seeing, seeing where it was grown like, like um, next time I go have like yakiniku or like mm, anything mm. grilled like yakitori I'm gonna have some shochu because it's like that's like the, that's like the pairing in my mind now <laughs> mm, cool yeah. Yeah, and then the Kyushu people are really like you know laid back. Oh, they're super chill. Most most down to earth people, I I think. And then we went back to Tokyo afterwards, and it's like it's so different. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) It's like no one's drinking shochu here. It was drinking sake. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Yeah, even in New York. So, Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, but I I mean, just reminded Mm. me of that my trip to you know the uh, Kumamoto, Mm -hmm. and it happened to be um, that was once a month, I think there is a. What's called the Shochu Daigaku, Shochu University, mm. which is a gathering of shochu makers, of oh. local. Oh, wow. And uh, I happened to be there. Some someone took me to there. Mm. Like, amazing, good, wow. and energized vibe. Very right. positive and younger, you know, generation. Well, that that's what we also noticed was like the generation that's currently making shochu are like very young. They're very very young. It's like twenties yeah. like and thirties. Wow. So it's like very young people. And, and they're like, excited to like do they're they're crazy super stuff. they're super hungry and like super creative with what they're doing and they're willing to experiment and so it's like you might find an atypical shochu but you know it's gonna taste great yeah mm. if you could get yourself over there to visit the shuzos <laughs> you'll be you'll be so surprised and I mean, and I mean yeah. we tasted like twenty already that are located here for the competition mm-hmm. so mm. there is still quite a portfolio of shochus now and I think right now like. It, the climate is perfect, especially for New York. Like mm. people are drinking low ABV. People want things that are more flavorful rather than alcohol high. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, That's in the global trend, I think. I, I think it's global as well, and also like people are a fan of like Japanese whiskeys as well. Mm. So like right now, you know, don't think of like shochu as just like a cheaper alternative mm-hmm. to Japanese right. whiskey, but it's like. Might be not, you might find something that's like You'll super interesting. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Mm. Just look at point at a bottle and say, yeah. "I'll have that on the yeah. rock," or right. like any right. any sort of way. Yeah, interesting that you know um, all those traditional industries, like including sake industry, tend mm-hmm. to be you know trying to find new labor, especially younger generation. Mm-hmm. But shochu business seems very yeah. it's like uh, old school. Yeah, but old but school, the going but. but there's a still a younger generation mm-hmm. that's yeah. like picking up the mantle because mm. like they yeah, like what they do they really want to run with exactly. it and, and see where it takes them too exactly. and so mm. I think that's really exciting right. so they're, they're going to create you think they're going to create new products appealing oh, the yeah. we, market we were actually shown like new products when, when we were shown we new there. products oh. exactly um Broken uh, Home Ten even got like a copper still, and they were about to start exactly. uh, um, distilling vodka that, and, and, and making into whiskey, whiskey yeah. potentially. Wow. Um, Yanagita has like, so he has two versions of shochus: one for the American market, the other for the Italian market. Mm. Um, Interesting. Sanwa Shurui is <laughs> making a botanical infused shochu, so wow. it's it's not gin. <laughs> that mm. was like that was like the one thing they wanted to clarify on us. But it's like infused with like local botanicals, like uh, mm-hmm. like mikan mm-hmm. or botang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all these like super cool uh, like products, but like they can do it because they're a much bigger uh, industry, and they're actually trying to tap into the bar scenes as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I think like the innovation that's happening is like uh, amazing. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I've never the future's seen bright that. for sure. Well, absolutely. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Wow, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm sure the listeners want to know your updates or whatever. So, where can can we find you online? So, 
Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Mixberries, M-I-X-D-B-E-R-R-I-E-S. Uh, usually posting things like cocktails or sake. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'll be at Masa or Bar Masa Tuesdays through Saturdays usually. So cool. come on by. <laughs> yeah, and you could find me at uh, Andy Conleche, A-N-D-Y-C-O-N-L-E-C-H-E. And I'll be at the Hidden Pearl, and we're actually doing like a Honkaku Shochu night in January to launch uh, Tuesdays because we're only open Wednesday through Monday right now. Mm. Um, so that'll be really exciting because uh, Maxwell and I uh, will be just having a night, talking talking shop, sharing stories, right. uh, doing a bunch of other different Shochu awesome. cocktails that I think could be wow. uh, yeah. really fun that I've just been playing around with since since coming back. So that'll be January 14th, mm-hmm. 2020 mm. uh, at the Hidden Pearl. Exciting. Okay, so good luck and keep me posted. Maybe you guys can come <laughs> back and yeah, yeah talk more. Back. Oh, and I believe they are gonna do another Spirit Away for 2020. Oh, cool. Um, don't know about the theme yet, but do follow them on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's a Spirit Away cocktail competition, not the movie. Yeah, but it's based on yeah. the movie, right? <laughs> the Miyazaki movie. The coming yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but they'll they'll announce uh, themes and such in January and competition should follow after that so. right awesome okay so andy how thank you for joining me today thank you. So, thank you so much so listeners if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests please contact us at japanese at heritage radio network.org or akikatema.com japanese is live at 3 p.m on the mondays and always available at heritage radio network.org itunes stitcher and spotify as a podcast engineer is matt patterson and thank you for listening i'll see you next week Japan Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.